Welcome to the second edition of Ballin' Ain't a Hobby. I don't know about you guys, but I'm mad pleased to finally watch some basketball. This last week was a lot of fun, and we're going to have some fun today. We're going to go over some of the top stories and early trends of the season. First things first, how you guys doing? You know, how was Christmas? Uh, Christmas was great, man. I had a good time. Spent some time with my family. Got to see you motherfuckers. I, I really enjoyed it. It was nice, man. The games were the highlight. Even if they weren't that close, it was still great to see some basketball on Christmas. Yeah, man. Can't go wrong with some Christmas Day games. It's, uh, it's a constant in everyone's life, it looks like. But um, all right, let's get right into it. There's a lot of things that happened. It, w- it was a full week stacked with, with basketball. But one of the biggest things for me, the biggest takeaway that I had was the Nets are legit. Durant, Kyrie looked like they weren't stepping on each other's toes. They looked smooth with the ball. The role players are looking good. Karis LeVert looks great with that second unit. DeAndre Jordan's looking like he's back to them Clipper days where he's just lob city. I know he had one with uh, with Spencer Dinwiddie, just lobbed it up to him, and that thing was a thing of beauty. And they just they look smooth, especially for a team that one of my biggest question marks was, how are they going to look together? How's the flow going to go? Um, obviously, Joe Harris was balling out. He, he can pop threes like no one else, or, you know, besides maybe Duncan Robinson. But I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to flip it over to you, Brandon. I know you were mad hyped about about the Nets coming into the season. What did you think? You lived up to the hype for you? So the Nets definitely look pretty good. Like, I mean, Durant... So the report was that Steve Nash said uh, Durant is either... He doesn't know if he's 90% or 99%, but he thought he was in the 90s. And I think what we've seen so far confirms that he clearly is... I mean, he might not be the, the same defensive player that he was, but offensively, he's probably going to be one of, if not the best offensive player of the year this year. Kyrie is clearly still Kyrie. Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Tari Prince, all these guys are... DJ is even giving them good minutes. Hopefully by the end, Jared Allen you know, could take over because he's been looking pretty good too. But overall, this Nets team, I think, is really going to give the Lakers a run for its money. I would even say I think they're the number one power ranking team for me in the East over the Bucks for sure right now until the Bucks could prove that they have some depth. But right now, I think the Nets are the, the favorite in the East. Yeah, for me, the biggest question mark was, is Kevin Durant going to come out and is he going to look like the Kevin Durant that we saw two years ago? And based on that Warriors game, based on that Celtics game, it's very clear that he is ready to give anybody and everybody buckets. And it might be a hot take, but in all honesty, the minute he stepped on the court against the Warriors, it was clear that he is now the best guy in the Eastern Conference. Like, And if you have the best guy in one conference and Kyrie Irving, I would say you have a great chance of success. And yeah, I I just I look at this week of first week of basketball, and it's there's no other takeaway than this team is legit, and it's theirs to lose at this point. I don't see another team coming out with the same offensive firepower that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving bring to the table, at least from the East. Yeah, yeah, and I mean one of the things with Brooklyn is KD and Kyrie they're gonna get their minutes, but after him, I mean there's a pretty deep drop off in terms of minutes Joe Harris is since he's consistent with the threes he's going to provide the shooting he's probably number three in terms of getting the most minutes and then after that I mean it really comes down to how 
how are they doing their matchups, you know, because are you going to have DeAndre Jordan or Jared Allen? You know, Jared Allen's probably a little bit more able to switch. Jordan's probably more defensive presence down low. And, I mean, one of the biggest things is I'm looking at the minutes per game with uh, Dinwiddie played a good amount this first week, and Shams just Shams reported today that he's actually going to be out for the season with a partial ACL tear. How do you guys feel about that? Do you guys feel like, you know, backing up a little bit and kind of take this with a grain of salt, this performance, because they're losing one of their top secondary scorers? Or is it kind of another body where Karis LeVert will step up or Jeff Green or something or Bruce Brown? How do you guys feel about that? Man said Bruce Brown. <laughs> Can't even keep a straight face. Yeah, no, I'm, I definitely understand what you mean. He's... I, I, I'm looking at Karis Lever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's Karis for sure. He takes the brunt of the load that Dinwiddie had. But just to go back to this roster construction, I mean, it's it's kind of an embarrassment of riches, man. Because if we're talking about losing a productive player like Spencer Dinwiddie, and then in the grand scheme of things, like not really feeling like they're going to drop that many wins. I mean, I don't know. I, I just like you said, I look at it and it's just going to go on to Karis and I don't feel like they're going to miss that much, man. If if anything, this is going to make them a more defensive yeah. rotation because Dinwiddie was just providing instant offense. And when you have Kyrie and Kevin Durant, it's almost redundant to have another guy like that on the court. I mean, obviously it wasn't a bad guy to have on their team, but I just look at it as where they would have maybe scored more. Now they're going to be more defensive minded with a Bruce Brown and, I mean, Jeff Green is pretty laughable, but even Jeff Green, he's, like, just middling. So it, that's that's the only takeaway. They're going to lose some offense for sure. Yeah, I mean, the thing for me is I feel like Dinwiddie also does provide – he's a little bit better defender, in my opinion, especially on the ball than Karis LeVert because Karis LeVert, he, he uses a lot of energy on offense, and sometimes it doesn't necessarily translate on defense on the ball. True. It, it he's pretty good in between in the passing lanes and you know he gets mm. a solid amount of steals but it doesn't necessarily translate yeah i don't know i think he's just overqualified for the role that he is on this team so sure i mean they're gonna miss him but i mean i don't think they really needed him in the first place mm-hmm. i think he Karis is gonna be a solid possibly third man he's gonna have to take probably that leap and be consistent but I mean, I do think they do have a chance to make a move. I mean, they got draft picks. They do have depth that, I mean, I'm not even saying Harden, but just any player out there that you think, you know, could. You're not saying him, but you're saying him. I mean, he's obviously <laughs> there. He's, you know, but, I mean, he's he's going to take a lot. Even just, you know, us. I mean, that a Marcus Saul type move, you know, a couple years ago that really propelled that Raptors team into a championship team. I mean, you look at a guy like, LaMarcus Aldridge or even DeRozan like a guy like that probably can come pretty cheap and would definitely help a team like the Nets I mean I think they're pretty good right now I definitely think they're the deepest team even with the loss of Dinwiddie at least in the east right now I I think they're still the number one team right now for me okay I mean so you think someone getting someone maybe like a Laurie Markkinen with the Bulls looking so bad is flipping Dinwiddie and maybe a pick for getting Laurie Markkinen, you think that that would be kind of replace his production and also give him a little bit forced down low? As a Bulls fan, I would be disgusted with that trade, but <laughs> I think sure that that's the trade that you're looking for as a Nets fan. You're looking to maybe flip Dinwiddie or any of the other guys and try to upgrade into get a third guy, maybe even Kevin Love. 
you know, a guy that's going to be productive but not going to necessarily break the bank. Obviously, James Harden is there, but it's going to take a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we're all in with Brooklyn. So you feel like Brooklyn should also be all in and possibly with this injury, maybe explore some trade possibilities? I I would just say that it's something they could look into, but I just based on this first week, man, it's it's tough to look at this team and think that they need to make a move. So I think the betting money should be on them staying put. I mean, if, if they slide here, maybe. I mean, there's always the potential that Dinwiddie, chemistry-wise, I don't know, just playing-wise on the court, maybe he is going to have a, a large ripple effect to this team's success. But I think they give it at least a week or two before they really consider making a trade. Yeah, I guess one of the things for me is, you know, looking at some of the top teams in the East, like the Celtics, you're going to have Kemba and Kyrie matching up, most likely. KD's probably going to get on Jason Tatum, but that leaves, who's going who's gonna to guard Jalen Brown? You know, there's always that third player on, on most teams that, or let's let's go to the Bucks. You know, Kyrie's going to be on, on Drew. Giannis and KD are going to be together, but then who's on Middleton? Is is that one where you're kind of looking at Jeff Green? Are, are you looking at Torian Prince? You know, just coming in strictly for defense. That's that's probably one of my concerns. Is sure they're great at scoring and it is a high scoring league at this point. But how does uh, how does the half court game translate in the playoffs? Yeah, no, I get that. I I think you make a good point. I think. Their best bet would be to sure up another defensive wing and someone like trying to think of any wings that are on the market right now. I mean, Otto Porter. Otto Porter is someone that they would want to consider, but I mean, I don't know, man. As Bulls fans, dude, we've seen what this guy's done in the offseason. He definitely is on that hardened workout routine. He's fucking partying. I saw a video of him giving shots to women. I mean, hey, man, let him be who he wants to be. Let him do what he wants to do. But in the midst of a pandemic, it's just, it's not a good look, man. So, yeah, someone like Otto Porter, maybe not Otto Porter. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, they should definitely be, with how good they looked, they look like... They should be buyers at the trade deadline. And obviously, Dinwiddie definitely helps some. Uh, not saying Dinwiddie was a, a wing or anything like that, but just getting that guard slash wing depth is a little hurt by that injury. Um, but Brandon, I know you brought up James Harden. That's obviously still one of the big topics that we're talking about. And I feel like we're going to be talking about that for a while. And w- last pod, we talked about some MVP candidates. Finally got on the court, and he looked like a true MVP against the Blazers. But the question I have for you guys is, do you think he's going to continue this tear and push the Rockets into top contenders? Or after looking at this, should a team finally swoop in for him and realize he is going to put a team on his back if he needs to, to a finals run? Which one do you think? I don't know. So, first off, James Harden is... James Harden, right? We were worried, all right, this guy's coming in overweight. He's out here with no mask. He doesn't care. Is he going to take the season seriously? He wants out. And then he comes in and drops 44 and 17, just to remind everyone who he is. People like the Nuggets and the Heat saying that they don't want to put Jamal Murray or Tyler Hero, any of these teams that have uh, that are close to that top tier but aren't quite and have are in a, a win-now mode, I think... You have to go for this James Harden trade. What are you doing right now? James Harden proved that he is one of, if not the best offensive player in the league. 
Besides that last play. Besides no, that last yeah, play. Yeah, that turnover didn't all come. Right. That shit. <laughs> so, that was, all right. So, that didn't catch right. Instagram. It's, it didn't happen. So, it's not real. So, for the people that just watched the Twitter highlight of that last play, we could walk through the actual end of that game. Okay. So, 45 seconds in, left in the game. Down three. James Harden hits a step back three, ties the game. Blazers get the ball back. They take the lead with two points. Comes back later. Harden gets the ball back, hits another step back three, takes the lead. Gets the ball back again, third time. It's the last shot of the game. Drives in, gets the hoop. Three guys collapse on him. He looks to the outlet pass to P.J. Tucker in the corner. And where's P.J. Tucker? He's right in the left block, two feet away from James Harden. James Harden was clearly mad after this, was like visibly frustrated. Tucker was too, Where, but where <laughs> for the was, record. Where was, why was Tucker... So close. He knows, like, this is what their system is. You stay and you let Harden get the one-on-one to the basket. If they collapse, which uh, if it's five seconds left, you're going to make sure Harden is not the one to beat you. All right, that leaves P.J. Tucker open for a wide-open shot. He might not hit it, but you have to give yourself a chance. You coming down does nothing, and it completely messed up the whole game. I'm not going to hold James Harden accountable for that sure he messed it, uh, technically on the scoreboard he was the one that was turnover because he was expecting pj tucker to be at a spot and he wasn't there and he just kind of th- threw out of nowhere but he literally had, had two clutch three-point setbacks w- in under 45 seconds left he is as good as it gets offensively i think if you're if you're another team you got to get him if the houston keeps him i think the, the rockets could be a dark horse this year yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no denying he, he gets buckets. He's hand in the KFC bucket at all times, that's for sure. And for me, honestly, him and I said this last time. Honestly, it's looking even more like it that Christian Wood might be one of the best players that he's played with in terms of playing with his game style, playing on the pick and roll, and a complimentary player instead of a high usage ball dominant, you know, point guard like Russ and Chris Paul. So if I was the Rockets, I would see, okay, this is really working out. And I would probably even raise my asking price because the Rockets could easily go on a run. You know, the West is pretty wide open besides the Lakers and the Clippers looking pretty good. It, it is open. They could easily get that 3-4 seed. Yeah, I, I think they have to keep both options open. But it really comes down to can they convince Harden, man? Can... Tillman Fertitta get his head out of his fucking ass and realize that he has one of the best players of the entire like last 25 years and realize like I need to stop telling this dude to be tough and realize that he is the reason I'm I own a two billion dollar franchise and really just try to work with him as opposed to like work in opposition to him and make him feel like he needs to work harder when like Brandon said, this dude just fucked around and then did a the closest thing to a triple-double. I mean, 44 and 17 is better than a triple-double as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, they run the risk of holding on to him and almost, like, destroying the value of the asset because it, there's going to come a day when just Harden's going to realize, like, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm not happy. And then this production could tail off, and then you have no value for him. So right now I think it's it's a weird spot where – like we said, Harden has all the motivation to want to increase his value and make other teams desire him. But the longer they hold on to him, the more volatile the asset becomes and the more it's it's something where they could they could really just, I don't know, you fucking bet, 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 and then you lose it all. You know, I think they're running the risk if they let this go on more than like two months. I would disagree. Yeah. I think I think 
he just raised his value by playing one game. I, I think. But I'm weeks, saying it's good right now. He's playing hard right now. I mean, but he's going to continue it. I mean, he's going to continue it. He's he's a monster. I mean, it's playing with house money. Harden I'm saying, being like, on he, the court he is knows house he money. He could do this at any time. Like he just but proved I think, he could do it at any time. What's his motivation to do it three weeks from now if he's still pissed off that he's there? Like he's going to get to a point where he's like, I don't want to fucking be in Houston anymore. You know, like right now he's like, I want to get out of Houston, so I'm going to play my ass off and get traded. Exactly. That's why he's gonna keep continue to keep playing well because two weeks ago I would I would have recommended to the Houston Rockets to just trade him for Ben Simmons straight up. Maybe get one or two draft picks if you can. Mm. But literally after one game of James Harden and three games of Ben Simmons, like I'm I want more than just Ben Simmons now, you know? And like that's just gonna it's continue true. to it's just gonna continue to go up. There's no way I'm taking Tyler Hero and less than like five first round picks, you know? Like he just ra- he raised his value and he did this with half his team not playing. I mean, you could bring back John Wall, you bring back Cousins, Eric Gordon. Like this team could be frisky. I think this team could definitely become the third seed. I mean, are they going to be championship contenders? Who knows? But I mean, James Harden is an automatic playoff berth, and I mean they have a solid team around him. I think they have a legit chance to make a run if they do keep him. Which I mean. We'll see if Harden wants that. We'll see if the Rockets want that. But it that's is, the it, thing, man. Yeah. If they can convince him to stay, then I'm with you guys. Keep him, obviously. But you don't say you want to trade, demand a trade, and then in two weeks forget that you said that. You know what I'm saying? Like he's gonna realize, like he has all the power. Like he has all the power to just tell the Rockets, like I'm gonna start playing bad, and then you guys won't have a trade. You know what I'm saying? Like if you think this through from Harden's perspective, he's almost not incentivized to keep playing this well because he's just shown like he's already shown he could do it like he doesn't need to keep doing it i mean if he cares about winning and being a professional athlete i think he will because this team is going to be good i don't think anyone with the competitiveness that james harden has is just going to roll over and not compete i mean we'll see Did you yeah, watch maybe. the playoffs the last three years or is it okay is that what are we out? talking is about that... here what are we talking about here so you don't even want to trade for him you don't think he's good no 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 i'm just fucking with you he's good i'm just saying like he he can he can want it and he can compete all he wants i'm just going off of what this man has said and that is he does not want to be in houston anymore so right now it makes all the sense in the world to play your ass off and get traded out of houston but at a certain point if that doesn't happen and you have a fuck boy of an owner who's going to continue talking shit to you like Anybody that doesn't like their boss, like, they don't want to be there. You know what I'm saying? This is a simple, I don't like my boss situation. And if you don't like your boss, at some point, you're just going to be like, fuck this guy. He still has to pay me. And I'm just waiting for that to happen, essentially. I know he's a competitor. I know he's a beast. I'm just saying they're running a risk of holding on to him and not trying to cash in while they can. Well, the thing is, even if you hate your boss and you're making bank, you're going to stay at that job. That's true. And true. I think... I think one of the main reasons James Harden was not happy is because he felt like they weren't really making legit moves that are going to make him a better team. He 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 expressed doubt before Christian Wood came in, you know, before they really settled on, you know, Boogie and John Wall, they, they seem like washed picks, or, you know, over-the-hill athletes that were once great and now have gone through injuries and are shells of themselves. But when James Harden starts playing with all of them, when Boogie starts hitting threes and spacing the floor, when Christian Wood starts hitting threes, spacing the floor, doing the pick and roll, when John Wall does a nice alley-oop fast break, he's going to have fun. At the end of the day, it's a game. 
when you're out there, you're having fun. And I think for now, before the trade deadline, he's going to play hard to increase his value. But then once that passes and he realizes, like, damn, we got a pretty solid team here. Like, we, we might have one of the best teams I played with. Then he's going to start being that professional. He's going to start balling out for himself and the team. Will it all? Will it work out in the end for the Rockets? Will Will he make it to the finals? Will he upset the Lakers, the Clippers? Who knows? You know, the the playoffs are one thing. Regular season is another thing. But I think I don't think he's going to personally tank, and I don't think he's going to quit on on the squad, especially when I'm a firm believer that this is one of the better squads he's played with. Yeah. No, you make a good point. But obviously, we take a lot of stock into these short. One week things, you know, we're talking about playoffs, we're talking about contending teams. And one of the things we don't want to do is put too much stock into this short sample size. So, one quick thing that I want to brush on is this Dallas blowout. Like, how much stock should we put into this Dallas blowout? Obviously, it wasn't pretty. You know, it, it, Kawhi wasn't there. Is it is it putting a lot of stock that Paul George can't carry a team, or, or is it more stock that Dallas? can really pour on the buckets or is it just pretty much a wash and just a regular season game, another regular season game? All right. So people get blown out all the time, right? Mm-hmm. But there's only one record for the worst blowout of all time at the half, <laughs> right? That's, that's only, that can only be one team. I just looked and your, your information is correct. That's true. All right. So tell me why that team is not like the Bulls or the Hornets or something. And it's, the Clippers, who come into this season with, I mean, a huge chip on their shoulder after last playoffs, after how things ended. I actually thought they would turn it around. On paper, they're still a good team, but I mean, there's no way you could trust this team. With Kawhi, yes, he got hurt, and I mean, you if you were to bet on the Mavs winning that game, I wouldn't have blamed you. That could have been a close game. I assume the Clippers would at least make it competitive. For them to be down at 50 points at halftime just shows that any amount of adversity, this team is going to crumble. We'll see if Kawhi, the robot, could get his troops into gear. But without a Kyle Lowry type of guy on this team, I don't know how this team could make a run against the Lakers or even, like we just said, the Rockets or even the Nuggets again. Like This team is in trouble, I would say. Yeah, I agree. It it really comes back to just like the befuddlement of someone like Paul George who if he just didn't say stuff, like if, if he just got asked questions and was just like milk toast, like, yeah, we played hard, both teams, blah, 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 you know, like I don't think anybody would ever question what this man has to say, but he's constantly raising the bar in terms of what this team is going to do to be better and to come out and compete. And having, like you said, the worst loss in fucking NBA history is just like, it could only happen to someone like Paul George who just says stuff. That's, the it's opposite not a coincidence. Shit it's not a coincidence. Yeah, it's not. It's not. So I, I firmly agree that while it is a regular season game, it's not Kawhi didn't play. It's not the end of the world. It is just like big picture. I mean, it's it's more of a testament to your vocal leaders and your 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 leaders that lead by example and have people that follow them where you could definitely argue that Kawhi and Paul George are two guys that have just never been that person. So it's if they can win this championship, it, it might be like the first time we've seen that in the NBA. So, Joe, what you're telling me is Paul George needs to get that chip 
that Kawhi has. Upload that bad boy for the interviews and just just say minimal Dude, I, I, minimal words. Yes, that's, that's yes, the main takeaway. I firmly that I got. believe that if this man had the Kawhi Leonard chip, we wouldn't have anything bad to say about him. We'd just be like, "This dude has a great hairline. He plays hard. He kind of you kind of choke sometimes, but at the end of the day, he doesn't say anything for us to talk about, and he just he can't do that. So yeah, I, you're you're spot on, bro. Get this man the Kawhi chip. <laughs> See, the thing that scares me with the Clippers is when they're on, they could take down any team, which we clearly saw with the Lakers first game. And that's with Paul George being on. I mean, Paul George balled out that game. And Kawhi's going to get his always. But then after that, who do you who's even balling it for you? Serge Ibaka is your third leading scorer so far with 14 points a game. And Lou Williams isn't doing much, six points a game. Batum fake, with 6.7. Sure. Uh, obviously, you know, that's... Not, I thought that was yeah, Jared Dudley. Lou Williams is going to get uh, increase that significantly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing that he's still in the league after <laughs> the like, last two years he had in Charlotte. I definitely thought he was retiring. Yeah, uh, I mean, that was just a contract dump. But that's the thing with me is you lock both of them or let's say one of them isn't on top of their game. What happens? You, you, then you got to work with Reggie no. Jackson. Gross. Kennard. Eh. Lou Williams. Uh, who, who's 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 getting you that bucket? Who's getting you that bucket? You're gonna probably have to do a pick and roll or a pick and pop with Sergi Baca and Lou Williams. Like that's literally your best your best form of offense. Or the Raptors off the ball had with Luke five Nard. guys that could drop and, twenty on you at any game. You know, you had Fred VanVleet, right. you had Kyle Lowry, you had Siakam. I mean, all, Norman Powell, Norman Powell, all, like the seventh man. Like we thought this Clippers team was deep last year, but like I mean. They're really not that deep. Like you said, after Kawhi and Paul George and even them two themselves, like it's really, it's, it's a little dicey. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about what they could have had, had they not traded for Paul George, you know, imagine this team with SGA, Danilo Gallinari. I mean, that's so much of a better roster. It's, it's wild that they made that decision. Plus seven first round picks that you could use. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you use three of those plus a couple pick swaps, and you try to get Drew Holiday or something versus putting adding Shea and seven first round picks for Paul George. Like, it's it's rough. Yeah, and they weren't doing themselves any favors with not signing Trez. I mean, Trez has looked amazing as part of that Lakers team. It's just he he's one of those guys. Partly seemed like Trez. Trez seemed like he just didn't feel wanted there, and seemed like he wanted out almost. Which I guess does come down to the Clippers. Yeah, it's another red flag. It's another red flag yeah. for the Clippers. You lose a guy like that. I mean, and it's kind of warranted. Realistically, he he didn't he didn't play well, but mm. they didn't give him the run in the playoffs. At the end of the day, no. you, you got to give him the opportunity. He he was getting played off the court in the playoffs, so I kind of see where they were coming from. But he's looked yeah, like the he, third guy. He couldn't in, guard Jokic. Like so anytime they play the Nuggets, it's it's going to be a problem for someone like Trez. But yeah, I, I definitely understand what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, but then he, that's what he dwindled. That's why he got Zubac, though. You know, for the big guys. Yeah, right. So it's almost like if Trez was if Trez was a team player, he would have understood that. But yeah, it it definitely seemed like whatever happened in that locker room, he did not like it. And to go literally across the hall to the other team is like the biggest like slap in the face to your culture. So it's. As high as we were on the Clippers and as good as Kawhi and Paul George are, I mean, it's it's really not looking like they're going to be the two seed. And if they're the two seed, they're they're not looking like they're going to be able to beat the Lakers. Yeah, and the thing for me is, to especially to go on a pretty team-friendly contract, 
I mean, at the end of the day, the Clippers could have matched that. Yeah. You know, Trez is only getting like nine, Easily. nine and a half a year. That's not much. Yeah. That's why I think it was just his decision. Just to, he just thought he just needed somewhere else to go. Cause yeah, I mean, they literally signed across the hall. They literally bro. signed Serge Ibaka for the same contract. It was a mid-level exception. So like, they literally, they just chose Ibaka. But I mean, yeah, I thought Ibaka's three-point shooting would be help more helpful than it has. But yeah, mm. Trez. Being a legit guy that can just go get his own bucket is a difference maker for the Lakers, and you could tell it's missing for this Clippers team. Yeah, I mean, it's just way more energy on the pick and roll. Realistically, Ibaka's not going to help you on the pick and roll. He's going to help you on the pick and pops. He's going to do the pick and pops and hit the three, or pick I mean, and pops and hit a, hit a mid-range. I, yeah, it's... And maybe a, a little bit of a better rim protector, because yeah. Trez wasn't really stopping anybody at the rim. He could stay in front of his man, but he, he just doesn't have the size to defend the rim like Ibaka. Yeah, on paper, I mean, I'm sure on paper they were like, yeah, we're getting a rim protector that can pop the three. Two things that Trez struggled with last year. But in reality, yeah. Trez was was a kind of a heart and soul of that team that that brings Paul George and Kawhi together into a cohesive. I agree. Yeah. But I mean, how much stock are we putting into the into the Mavs? I mean, obviously, there's one side there's one side with the Clippers not playing so hot that game with a blowout. But then there's the other side. I mean, the Mavs poured it on. Is there any stock, or is that just another game? I, I mean, do we feel like? It is what it is that we knew they could score last year, and here we are this year. It's not not much of a difference. I mean, they were zero and two before that game. They clearly are missing KP. They need, definitely need him to make any kind of run. But I just think we're. I mean, Luca. We'll see how far he could take this team, but I just don't think they have the pieces yet. We'll have to see how this team looks with KP. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little bit with Brandon. I think this is a case of. This team could not buy a bucket. Like Brandon said, they were 0-2. Mm-hmm. I think from three, they were just really struggling in the first two games. So to see them go off like that, it's it was more for the course because, like you said, last year, they were I think they were the best offense in the league. So to start out as slow as they did, this was bound to happen. It's just wild to see the Clippers not put up a fight at all. Yeah. I mean, I think for me more than anything is Josh Richardson looks good. He looks, he looks sm- mm-hmm. like a smooth transition into it because that was one of the things yep. Josh Richardson – he didn't look too high with the Sixers. Looks a lot more comfortable playing with Luka, playing with a high, higher pace game instead of slowing it down with Embiid down low. We'll see how that translates yes. with Porzingis, but that's probably my biggest thing is even even though they're one and two, Josh Richardson's look like a smooth transition for them. Yeah. How about a, another another big thing that we sh- we got to decide if we got to put too much stock into it? Um, that Knicks W over the Bucks. I mean that's one of the biggest surprises, especially for me. I, you know, how much I, how much hype I had for the Bucks this year. What do you guys think about that? I I don't even know what to say. It just it's weird to see Alfred Payton giving the business to Drew Holiday after all we've done is hype him up and talk about how great of his defender is. It's just I don't know, man. I'm I'm just gonna say it's a weird regular season game, and I'm not expecting the Knicks to be any type of contending team. It's just. Yeah, it's, I'd say it's just early regular season fodder. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, RJ's looked actually pretty good so far. He might take a leap his sophomore year. But overall, I just don't think this Knicks team has really any kind of talent to actually contend. And, I mean, yeah, I think it does. It says more about the Bucks just playing down to their competition. You know, it's not a good look for them going forward. But I, 
I think this first couple of weeks is going to be an extended preseason. It's definitely a weird season. We're going to have to give it some time. Do we feel like the Bucks might have taken a step back this year with, you know, because did they even have a, a loss like that to a very or a supposed low, lower tier team? I, I don't think so. One thing, not last year. No, yeah. they were one of the best teams in the league last year. Exactly, well, they lost they like three times all last year. So I mean, it is definitely it definitely is a it's a tough look for the the Bucks. But I do think part of it is just the early season, not having really much of a preseason. They got some new pieces, but yeah, I mean, I am gonna highlight that DJ Augustine's shooting forty three percent from three, and DiVincenzo <laughs> shooting 61% from three, so... Oh, <laughs> the saviors, bro, the saviors, you're right. No, but I mean, I mean, realistically... No, I'll, I'll give you credit. If they can do that, that's they're a good team. I mean, those are... They need guys that hit shots. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That was just a joke, but... No. Yeah, <laughs> I don't no. think DiVincenzo's going to shoot 61% from three. No. <laughs> wow, hot take. I know, no. hot take. But I mean, <laughs> a big thing that a big thing that stands out for me is I mean Drew's only shooting eleven percent from three. That's going to even out. Still averaging fifteen points a game. So once he starts hitting those mm. threes, I think what they did struggle with the first couple of games is they were just it was it was the same thing they had last year in the playoffs where it was Giannis Middleton Giannis Middleton, and if they're not doing it, then they got to throw it over to Brooke or for something with Drew and it's just they gotta get a better flow into their game to get easier shots to not get as many ISOs. And we'll see if that plays out. I mean I still have confidence that they do. They they got good players, especially defensively. They're still they're still looking real pretty good defensively. We'll see we'll see how the motor of Bobby Portis and Tory Craig end up playing out, but I'm sure they're easing these players in little by little. I mean, Bobby Portis played a good amount, though. He played almost 23 minutes. But, uh, I mean, any other takeaways? Obviously, I don't see that much stock in the Knicks. They're going to be re- rebuilding. But who knows? They they might they might be onto something. I do think it is concerning that Drew Holiday gave you eight points in his third game. Like, that, like the thing that you were hoping that you were going to get from him was that he wasn't going to disappear like Bledsoe did at times and... He disappeared against like the worst team in the league, so it's not a good look for my guy. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. But personally, I think this is more of an outlier performance where he d- he's going to disappear. He's not really the t- he's not really the player like Bledsoe where he can disappear. He he usually takes control of the tempo, and I think I feel like right now he's in an in between stage where he doesn't want to take over the offense because he's he's been the leader of an offense as a point guard and one of the better players on every team he's been on. So to transition into the Bucks, where he knows Giannis is, you know, the main guy. So I, he's probably doing a little bit of a, a learning curve, in my opinion, of trying to see, okay, when do, when when is it good for me to take over? Yeah, I agree. I think we give this team a month, and there's no way they lose a game like this. But right now, I mean, Coach Bud is a very strict uh coach in terms of his rotations and in terms of who he plays and who he doesn't and it just seems like he's not I mean last night Tory Craig got three minutes and I don't know man I I think he's better than that I don't I don't know if there's a situation in their locker room that he just wasn't getting ticked this week or what but they need to give guys like that that can actually contribute on both sides of the ball a chance and before I really am worried that this team's losing close games to better teams
every season comes with new rooks out there. You know, you got a microscope trying to see who's who's a good player, who who's already looking like a bust. Personally, this class has looked impressive, especially for a class that's been labeled a weaker class. Wiseman, obviously you don't have Draymond out there, but Wiseman looks like the best player outside of Steph on Golden State. Anthony Edwards just looks like it's going to be a fun a fun time running it with Russell and Cat. And Patrick Williams already looks like one of the best player on players on the Bulls. He definitely looks better than Otto mm-hmm. Porter, that's for sure. Are are you guys surprised that these rookies are playing a little bit better? You know, especially given the the media's take that it's been a weaker draft class this year. Yeah, I'll say it caught me off guard, but I think the biggest takeaway is just that this is a weird season, and we're gonna see some rookies pop, and we're gonna see some guys stand out in these first two weeks. And like you said, seeing Patrick Williams be a bright spot on this fucking abysmal Bulls roster is the only thing getting me through our time as Bulls fans in these last three years since we traded away Jimmy Butler. So. I am I'm encouraged by it. Someone like him who could take the ball up the court, rebound like a power forward center, and also his his pull up jump shot is something that we did not see at Florida State. So to see it in the NBA, it seems like the Bulls might have gotten one of the steals of the draft in Patrick Williams. Yeah, I think uh, Patrick Williams definitely has looked good. He struggled the last game, but overall, he's looked like he's ready to play in the league. I do think Tyrese uh, Tyrese Halliburton has had some decent games. He had some pretty clutch three-pointers late in the game that and the win against the Nuggets in the first game with Buddy Heald winning it with the tip-in at the end. But I do think this class is better. I, To be honest, I'm not that surprised. I th- there's No one's looking like they're going to be a star. And so, I mean, we'll see what Wiseman is. He could be the next Embiid. But most people said you're going to find a lot of role players in this draft. It's just there's not going to be many stars. And it's just that's what we're seeing so far. All these people are ready to compete, ready to play right away. And, I mean, we'll see where these guys are in a few years. But, yeah, it's nice to see all these guys playing well right away. Yeah, I mean, Okoro's been been doing well. I, I figured Halliburton was going to be good because they got him such a steal. And he's he's one of the most polished players coming into this year. But, I mean, Precious Ashiwa, he looks like a young bam. Yeah, he got some big minutes in that Christmas Day game. I, I do, did not know anything about him, but he seems like he's going to be a great fit as a power forward center for them. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, well, not hopefully, it's probably going to happen that he's going to get uh, taken under Bam's wing. And if he gets taken under Bam's wing... That's the word coming out of Washington right now, is that Bam is taking him under his wing. I mean, another player that I've been, even Denny Advija, you know, he he looked really good. He got some key minutes in in closing games, and he he looked solid. Just overall, you, it might be just where there, it's going to be a draft class of just solid role players with one or two stars possibly coming out. But for them to make an impact in the first week is a little surprising, and in an impact where it looks like they're not getting starstruck playing against some of these top guys. So yeah. It's a hard thing to have a hot take right now, but that's exactly what I want you guys to do, is to have a hot take. We know the top-tier teams, but there's a lot of teams that impressed. I mean, we got an undefeated Cavs team. We got an undefeated Magic team. 
the Pacer Sabonis is looking like he's going to win most improved and could even become. Well, actually, I'm not going to get carried away. I'm not going to get carried away. He could win most improved. I mean, hey, if he's the best guy on the team, say it, bro. Borderline MVP. Yeah, I was going to say, and he could he could have an MVP run. But what team do you feel like their record, they can keep it up throughout the through the rest of the year? If you have to give me one team, what is it? A team that I was not high on just because I felt like they had too many guys, and I know that's a weird thing to say, but it just felt like a 2K roster, is the Hawks. Because starting out 2-0, and and obviously the first one was against our dog shit team, the Bulls, but starting out 2-0 and and just literally beating down the Bulls was impressive in my opinion. And then to follow that up with their win against the Grizzlies, I mean, obviously... It's not like the Grizzlies are any world beaters, but, I mean, John Moran is a good head-to-head matchup for Trey, and for Trey to put up 36 against him, it's just like this guy is clearly motivated to say to the Atlanta front office that thank you for listening to me. I am ready to take this team into the playoffs, and I'll just say they look like they're up 10 going into the fourth quarter on this Detroit game, and it just seems like this team looks ready, man. I think their coach, Lord Pierce, seems to have a good handle on the rotation. I mean, if... Anytime a team is winning, the locker room is going to be happy. The guys are going to be happy. And right now, I just feel like the Hawks could be a a serious team in the East. I think they could be a top five team if they keep this pace up. I mean, obviously, they're undefeated. But I just think they're a lot more competitive than I was thinking. I thought they might have started out the gate a little shaky. But I I just think they have all the pieces. It's it's more or less just can these guys deliver. And Trey Young putting up back-to-back 30-point games to start out the season shows he's more than ready. And he finally has the team to maybe take him to a better standing. Yeah, it's definitely one of the best teams they've had. They're going to get a quick test this week with the Nets on Wednesday, which should be a really fun game to watch, hopefully. I mean, Kyrie and KD sitting today should be back on Wednesday. So they're going to have a quick test. And actually, back-to-back, they're facing the Nets on Wednesday and Friday. If they steal one of those games... They could be legit, and I w- I'm going to agree with you that overall they're going to be a fun team to watch. Brandon, what about you? I mean, you got to you know your pick of the litter with the Magic, Cavs, Thunder, just so to name I, a few undefeated teams. I got one from each conference. The Eastern Conference team is the Pacers. I think Oladipo has shown that he's pretty close to the player he was, and I think this team is better than what they were two years ago when he was who he was i think malcolm brogdon adds a lot sabonis has developed into a top 25 player since oladipo was was good and now he actually has a pretty good team around him miles turner is playing at a defensive player of the year type of level he had eight blocks in the first game i think this team i think this team could legitimately contend i mean if you look at a team like the heat what they how they surprised everyone i would not be shocked if the pacers did something similar and then for the West, I mean, I wasn't that high on them, but everyone else was. I think the Suns have shown that they're actually pretty good. I, I think Mikael Bridges is, could be a most improved player candidate. Uh, Chris Paul hasn't really got much counting stats, but just him being on the floor, you could tell, just changes everything. He adds a leadership role, which is exactly what we were talking about, that the Clippers are missing. I think Aiton is he's, he's going to have to get better defensively, but... He is a, a good third man with all those guys. I think overall that whole team is going to be pretty competitive all year. 
Yeah, you make a great point. I think McCall Bridges, he is their answer for the elite wings in the Western Conference, and every team needs a guy like that. So to have someone with the wingspan of his, I want to say he has like a seven-foot wingspan, a, a great shot. It's just like they really lucked out getting him in the draft. And even Cam Johnson, just a similar guy, man, 6'10", long wingspan, can shoot the lights out. It's just was like, looked at it as like they the worst draft the pick tools. at the time, and now is actually being pretty he was. productive. He was. It's wild. I, I, I definitely agree. I think adding Chris Paul was the most obvious addition they made to get better. But those two guys, I mean, if they continue to improve, we're talking a real team, man. We're definitely talking a top four team in the West. Yeah, I hear you. Honestly, I love the Suns this year. Chris Paul and Devin Booker haven't played that well, and they're looking already really good. I mean, Chris Paul is over here shooting just under 40%. He's not going to shoot 40% for the year. That's for sure. No. Booker's shooting 31% from three. He's not going to shoot 31% from three. That's for sure. And Cam Johnson, McCall Bridges, I think Aiton is going to take that step forward. They're, they're going to be a problem. That's for sure. And especially once it slows down, they got firepower and they got length. When it gets to crunch time, when it gets to that half-court game, that length and that offensive firepower, that's where it's really going to shine. So... I love that pick. Yeah, I think the Suns and the Pacers, they're going to be a problem. I'm going to agree with Brandon on this one. They're going to be a problem in the postseason. I mean, if Oladipo's on it, if Sabonis is on it, and if Miles Turner's on it, that's a that's a deadly three. And then we don't have to do too much convincing with Devin Booker, Aiton, and Chris Paul. At least two of the three have proven that they're top-tier talents, even if Chris Paul's a little over the hill. And Aiton was on the verge last year of being over the top and I think this is the year with with Chris Paul driving giving him easy passes and nice looks and he's even looking like his post game's a little bit better and a, lo- a little more confident they they can compete with one of the best teams some of the best teams in the west but on that note we are going to wrap it up it's been real always a good time talking about it i mean we're definitely going to talk about something we got we got a lot of nba action the season's just getting started and we'll we'll see we'll see how it plays out a lot of storylines it's only going to get crazier hopefully not too much not too many strip clothes for harden and i'll catch you guys on the next one sounds good peace everybody let the man go to the club <laughs>